0: Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, VP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level BizTech. Everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering here at Tolaris, and you are on the Next Level BizTech Podcast. We are back again, talking security, uh, a lot of layers about security. That's why we've got multiple podcasts on this, just so much to talk about there, and so much great technology, so many different views on it as well. So today, get the pleasure of being joined by my right-hand man, Bob Greenow, Director of the Talaris
1: Sales Engineering Team. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Excited to be here finally. I- it's great to see my name on one of these. I'm looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, I I want to start out the way that we always start these out. How did you get here? Uh, you know, if you if it's been a linear path for you and, and you knew that you know this being in tech and engineering was always where you wanted to be, great. I want to hear it. If you started out doing something else, selling fishing lures, whatever it might have been, uh, and and now you're here, I, I want to
1: hear it. So, how did Bob start out? Oh my. Uh, How much time do we have? No. Um, So I'll kick this off by saying that I wasn't exactly the most motivated dude coming out of high school back in the day. Heck, even during high school for that matter. So my childhood dreams of becoming a fighter pilot were were kind of DOA pretty much. But um, interestingly enough, technology wasn't my first love. And I think you and I kind of have that in common. We both did different things before we found this, but um, <clears throat> it was actually a fighter fighter in southeastern Wisconsin. And I figured, you know, hey, this could be pretty sweet. And you know, the whole fighter pilot thing didn't work out if I can make this work. So, you know, I kind of started out as a volunteer, getting all the required certifications squared away and whatnot. Uh, during that time, of course, working odd jobs to make ends meet, I was detailing high end cars. I was I maybe mean, even the Denny's line cook at one point for crying out loud, but. My first brush with tech as a career was a standard Abbott Laboratories in North Chicago, essentially handling the training center for the PPD, the pharmaceutical products division. So they'd hire all these young bright eyed college grads out of Northwestern University of Chicago or wherever they train them up there. And, you know, I was supportive of the computers, the pro- proctored the exams, supported the AV in all the rooms. But in 99, I was not in the best place financially, followed my family down to Florida to kind of reset. Still very much on you know, the fire science track at, at, at the college I enrolled in, even that's what I set my major to. But I started looking around at the salaries at the time, which were pretty insulting even for what you do as a fire medic. And I realized that none of the stuff I did in Wisconsin, all those certifications, they didn't transfer to Florida. No reciprocity, zero. So I'd essentially have to start from zero, challenging all the exams. Anyway, I um, started thinking finally for the first time, maybe it's not what I want to do for the next 20, 30 years talking to a family friend about it. he says you know you've always been in tech and computers and he was right my grandfather was teaching me how to code in basic when i was at like eight or nine Yes. and yeah mm-hmm. you wait i'm not done with the name dropping yet but i was always give with the computer you know so the first computer commodore 64 mm-hmm. rock and Choplifter is my jam baby name dropping the big ones here but um you know he said you need electives right why don't you just take a tech class and see if it's going to be your thing so i didn't signed up for, I think it was CET 1600, which was the first semester of the Cisco Networking Academy program. Mm. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we're talking about the OSI model a little bit, touching protocols, but a lot of it was physical layer, you know, connectivity options, mediums, capacities, distances, all that kind of thing. But I finished up that one and I was like, this is kind of cool. So next semester, still a fire, fire science major, I signed up for CET 1610, which is routing fundamentals. And that, was a Yahtzee moment. That's, you know, we're labbing up routers and switches, passing traffic from one end to another. And I'm like, whoa, this is how information gets everywhere. This is how it all works. And that was it, man. From that point in, I was all in. Switched my major first week in, the, in, in that class. And uh, shortly thereafter, got an internship at Sarasota County. And I'm going to date myself technically, but I was all about the Novell network, e-directory group wise. And then of course, the number migration over the Microsoft side. So uh, they hired me on full time and then I left went to hover around after about six years and I was there doing the same thing, but then kind of inherited all the security stuff as well. So I had to get up to speed very, very quickly on that lovely HIPAA conversation that everybody loves to talk about. Right. So that was a part of my daily life. But then, uh, left there after about five and a half years, just shy of six years, went to star to star communications, was there for about four years, handling strategic engineering for them. So the larger, more complex deals came across my desk. And then you could probably finish it from here on out in uh september of 2018 i came to talaris as the southeast sales engineer and uh August, you know, april of last year i was in the director position and by the way none of this was going on you know all this early stuff it was a constant barrage from a good friend of mine saying get into this business stop mm-hmm. messing around with that stuff so it was uh, in no small part weighed heavily in my decision he's been a close friend and mentor ever since so
0: Love it. But here we are. It's, it's funny, too. Um, I think sometimes, you know, we talk about how this channel kind of sucks us in and then there's no getting out. Uh, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know how many people outside this channel really know that it exists in, the, in its in depth format that it exists. And I, you know, similar paths of people encouraging me to do things that I'm going, I, I don't know that that's for me. I don't know that I'd be good at that. No, 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 You know, so I'm always uh, appreciative of those who see things in us uh and help us you know get some guidance in the right direction obviously it's worked out you've been crushing it uh doing a bang-up job here uh, at talaris and managing the outside team uh and you know excited to to help uh have you grow and and scale this thing so good uh awesome story now let's let's level set on uh security here one of the things that we're trying to do on these podcasts is not make assumptions that people know all these crazy different acronyms and so Mm -hmm. we're talking today about managed detection and response really uh you know mdr as it's referred to so over the last five ten years i feel like we've seen a lot of evolutions in that So, i want to cover the evolutions and then maybe have you level set where you really think this is now and kind of what this technology solves so if we go back to um when we first started getting into tech it was more of antivirus right it was the nortons and it was the mcafee's they weighed the computer down they slowed everything down and they probably still didn't catch it all and you had to get an update every night blah 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 then that that seems to have been complemented with some sort of spyware detection some malware bytes or something like that right so you'd use all these different services and then the world starts to get uh even sketchier and more people want your data and more people want your information and it moves a little more to endpoint detection and an endpoint solution, an endpoint, resp- and then we get into response. And now we're talking; it's evolved to a MDR to manage detection and response. So we've seen this evolution. Um, wh- you know, lay us out why the managed, right? Like, you know, where are we at now with detection and response, and what does this technology really do for people compared to how it's evolved? And then, and, and why the management? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I think the best way to do that is look at it through the lens of somebody that's actually been on the opposite side of the table from where you and I sit now, right? And having to actually manage all of this. To say it's, to say it's daunting would be a gross understatement. So if you open, for instance, if you open the event viewer on your Windows laptop, and I actually have mine open because I am a dork like that, and you know why wouldn't I? But if you, between application security and system event logs on this laptop, there are 112,000 individual events on one computer. 112 things happen at some time. Never mind, in a business sense, where you have all the servers, the the firewall logs, and however many other individual end user devices there might be on that network, right? So how in the world can one person, maybe even a team of 10 people, be expected to monitor and comb through all of that on a proactive basis? You know, looking for out of band things that might be going on, something nefarious. It, it's just not possible. Right. So. When you're on that side of the fence, you would naturally think, no sweat, easy fix. Let's pull the trigger on a sweet EDR solution, endpoints detection response solution, right? However, comma, you very quickly realize that you've kind of stepped into this new, much larger world. And you have these seemingly, what the thing is telling you are actionable items, but are they really? Are they alerts that need to be dealt with? How do you sort sort through and fine tune all of that? And you start realizing, my goodness, maybe I got in over my skis a little bit on this, right? So you start looking to hire somebody maybe who can do this for you. but mercy they don't come cheap so the next logical step then is well let's look for a provider that can manage this detection response for us um they, because they have the expertise right the specific expertise the processes the run books the threat intelligence to know what's actionable what's not and really depending on the provider you could even have them do the remediation or simply just you know send the an alert and you can do that on your own but that is essentially where the management of it comes in and we'll uh, we'll talk probably about the evolution of that even further and what we see is going to be going forward. But generally, that's where we're at now. This bringing in a partner to help you make sense of all this instead of just trying to kill it all on your own. It's just it's it's too much uh,
0: and And I don't want to uh, skip too far ahead here. But you know, from a trends perspective, uh, i I think some of the things that we've seen are customers thinking that, they're fine, and that they can manage this, right? and i I, I yep. think after we end up talking to them and going deeper into the conversation, and we find out how often they're actually, if they're being really honest, how often they're actually being able to analyze these logs or look at these solutions, it's just it's a, it's another thing that everybody's got to do, right? We're all busy, we've yep. all got a million responsibilities. There's just not enough time for it. so we're in twenty twenty two I think it'd be silly to not. Leverage technology to do some automation around that and minimize that. Right? Those 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 hundred thousand events that you've got. Right? It's crazy to hear.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. When you first fire up one of these solutions, it's going to alert on everything, and you're very quickly going to have alert fatigue, which that's the last thing you want to happen because basically what that means is you start ignoring alerts. Right? So right off right off the bat, you should probably engage somebody who knows exactly how to tune these things and and respond to people. Good point.
0: Yeah. Let's let's talk about. If I'm a partner and i'm I'm listening to this, I, I you know or a potential partner, or maybe I'm uh, selling something different, I'm selling contact center. I'm selling SDN or, or something adjacent. Uh, and And I want to go deeper into this area. I mean, we know we we always talk about Claris uh, does we we do boot camps, right? Where somebody from your team might go out and lead this regional event for four or five hours, or maybe we do a more immersive uh, multi-day academy where where we dive really deep into it. Uh, but but what out of all the things that we do, uh, wh- what what would you advise a partner on that's been most successful for helping them understand how to move through these opportunities and talk to customers?
1: Ooh, that's a loaded one, but I love it. So I think it was Mike Kowalski, our engineer in Apex Northwest, in a previous podcast, who said we on the engineering team are basically. I think referred to us as like a living breathing knowledge base right we're picking up that phone to talk to us is like just typing a like search 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 query i can speak into the search bar um us as engineers or architects our title pertains more to the body of knowledge we possess i mean we've all certainly been there before been engineers and architects, but so much of we do now is around that education and enablement, enablement so like you said we lead all sorts of these organized educational events throughout the country uh well actually globally now, honestly, we just had a bunch of people in uh, London, but we'll even do, a lot of people don't realize this, we'll even do one-offs for some of our partners that want something a little more, maybe dialed in personal, right? And and maybe they feel safer in that conversation because there's not a lot of other even competition in the room. So it's just them, we can focus on them. They can feel free to speak freely, kind kind of a safe space, right? But the secret sauce that we do that's common throughout our entire team And this is a bit of a humble brag here on the team, but every member of our team is able to distill down these complex conversations and this almost annoying tech alphabet soup into something that's understandable and relatable. That's the big thing. You could teach calculus to a chimp if you can make it relatable to his mind, right? Um, And we can do that with any audience, whether it's seasoned IT people, CXO level, whatever partners we have. Some partners, you know, they've been in this game a long time and they have a better understanding. Whereas, some may have been in the industry, maybe on the financial side. So maybe we back off the geek speak a little bit. But that's a huge part of what we do, that in it, that education enablement.
0: Let's talk trends. Um, I think that's, mm-hmm. I think you know, we, we get an interesting purview where it's almost that we get this magnifying glass of all these deals and all these things of, of current, you know, so we can kind of, we can see what's where we're at, we can see the whole laggard side, we can see the bleeding edge side, both from a vendor perspective and from a customer <clears throat> environment perspective. So w- walk me through, uh, you know, the, just in the last couple of years, and we know, there's, we know there's some crazy last couple of years, more specifically, but trends, security, distilling that down, what, what trends are you seeing? I mean, we're talking detection and response, certainly, but yep. just broadly, are there, are there trends that our partners need to be aware of that you're seeing out there?
1: So I'll set it up by saying that, and this probably goes without saying, but you can't go a single news cycle without hearing about some huge compromise. Crypto.com, uh, Twitch, the Colonial Pipeline, and there was even a huge uh, breach in China where a lot of the information, the, the personal data they were collecting on citizens was leaked to by a rogue inside threat, right? And those are just the ones that we hear about. In reality, thousands of these are happening under the radar in the background. So when you start hearing about things like the Verizon data breach, investigation report, the DVIR that we rely on is almost like a, a forecasting Bible, but they start saying like, you know, average time to detection is something like 200 days. That's insane. That's over six months. But the point is security has become mainstream and everybody is paying attention to varying degrees, but generally everybody's got a little bit of a paranoia about it. Case in point, I'm seeing a lot on going on in the SMB space right now. Folks that had sort of a view of, oh, I'm too small. Nobody cares about me as a target, right? They're looking at this and saying, oh boy, this is something that we should start paying attention to. Obviously, the large fortune company opportunities are always going to be there, right? With their dedicated security budgets and dedicated personnel. But I would say not to sleep on the SMB space. A lot of the smaller organizations are coming to the table, not always proactively, unfortunately. A lot of times it's due to an ongoing compromise, but now they're finally saying, hey, we need to protect ourselves. We realize we might not have the in house expertise, certainly not going to go hire a CISSP. But we need to do this. So how do we do this? And then we can have that conversation with them about benefiting from, like you mentioned earlier, the economies of scale of a managed solution with a team of experts that's probably going to be a fraction of the cost of a dedicated person. And that's just one person, right? Assuming you find them, they have a life and they like to sleep at night. And I know I certainly do. So that's that's kind of where we're seeing more towards the SMB space. Again, the enterprise is always going to be there. But yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, so all right, let's let's get into the weeds a little more. So. I want to, now that we've gotten a glimpse into what some of the trends are, we've we've talked about what this technology is, uh, walk me through a situation where, you know, uh, another common theme on this is that things always seem to end up differently than we might have thought they were originally, right? We were given this information and we ended up, you know, ended up going over here, right? Somewhere totally different. We hit a different nerve. Uh, Walk me through a situation where, you know, you, you were brought in, somebody from the team was brought in, uh, of you know hey it, it looked like this but we ultimately ended up doing this solution but, but what how did we get there you know what was it a technical was it a uh, a business conversation and what was the end product really that was put in
1: sure so one of the things that i, I was going to mention earlier but i i've just totally forgot was We don't expect our agents to be experts in this stuff and and you'll see how i kind of segue into this but all we ask them to do is keep their eyes and ears open for certain things that might be a cue that hey there might be an opportunity here right and so one of the things the example that i'm going to bring to the table here is it was just a quick call there was some he said hey you know i got this customer there seems to be some confusion around hipaa you know what's required what's not all that kind of thing what's considered addressable can you jump on a quick call to clear things up not a problem, absolutely. And I thought it was gonna be just a five, 10 minute call because I could do that pretty quick, right? But we get on a call and as we're talking through things, it, it, I kind of keyed in on what was causing them to question the HIPAA side of things, but they were saying everything has to be in- encrypted at rest in emotion. motion. I was like, well, that, that's considered addressable, not required in HIPAA. Why are, you, why are you so, you know what's with the encryption thing? And then as he was rambling on a little bit, but he mentioned that they were compromised twice but it's cool because they paid the ransom and got their data back and it was like the record ripped and my rip you know the <laughs> music stopped and i said hang on a second let's let's talk about that a little bit more long story short we discovered that that was really their only option for recovering data was paying a ransom they had nothing in place they had some backups but i mean it was seriously just you know, put the tapes in your car and go home i mean it was it was old school so that then blossomed from a quick five, 10-minute conversation. We ended up talking for over an hour, um, had subsequent meetings, follow-up meetings. But I believe, and I'm going to put a dollar amount to this, but don't hold me to it. I believe it ended up being, now this is an SB customer. They're a durable medical equipment manufacturer. But they it ended up being about eight or nine grand a month that we ended up finally getting everything from run books to uh, you know the actual technical solutions in place to make sure that hey we understand it's going to happen how do we recover from it so we had to reframe all of that right but that was yeah that was interesting when, when they mentioned that their only option was to essentially pay the ransom i uh that that was that was tough to hear
0: so funny uh, you know I, I think you know there's there's the stigma that goes along with when you work with a sales engineer every answer out of our mouths is it depends or let's have a conversation, right? So we're, I think we're always cognizant that we want that to, we want to give you answers and we want to give you the right answers and we also want that maybe to be the last thing that we feel like we have to say, but we also want to be, you know, we don't want to sacrifice speed for the sake of, uh, or sure. sacrifice accuracy for, the, for, for speed. And, uh, you know, I think part of that is we, sh- we, we get really excited Because security is one of those areas when they just say, I just need this thing. I I just need this point solution or I I just need this assessment. I I think any of our deals, uh, any of our great deals, uh, very lucrative deals have come out of people thinking they just need this one thing. And, you know, that that comes from the customer to the partner to us. But in that. Nobody felt that they were wrong in the ask. They did truly think they just needed this one thing. And as, uh, you know, as we, we talk about peeling the layers back and back and back, it's, oh, I, I didn't think of that. Or, oh, I, you know, I didn't think that layer applied to us. Or to your point, you know, oh, I, didn't, I didn't think that was part of, you know, HIPAA, things like that. So love hearing that. Uh, I, I, would, I would tell partners to, to perk up when people say, I just need this one thing. Get real excited about that because there's likely more. And when we do get engaged into that, we're just asking questions to understand it. But we know we're going we're gonna to ultimately add a ton more value for you uh, and, and likely more opportunity as well, because there's more they need.
1: And to kind of hammer that home a little bit, it, it, we tell our partners this, right? You don't have to be an expert. We want them to tell their customers that, rely on us. You don't have to be an expert. Actually, we caution against that in a security realm, unless you're really into going gray or bald prematurely. Um, but use us as an extension. We have a tremendous amount of technical resources and we just we cue in on these things and we can pass those on down a down chain so that they can cue in on those things as well and bring us in to kind of drive the conversation home.
0: So final thoughts from you Bob where we're talking about the the evolution here. I wanna I wanna look forward a little bit into the into the crystal ball. Maybe we go out twelve months, twenty four, thirty six, whatever. Uh, we, we talked in the beginning of this, so to kind of bring it home of the evolution where we saw antivirus, antivirus plus malware, turns into endpoint detection, turn into, you know, managed detection. There's a lot of other stuff out there on the horizon that starts to kind of bleed into this ecosystem a little bit. It's SIM, it's SOC, it's Casby, it's SASE. You know, what's, what's your perspective on where this goes, right? Uh, preventing alert fatigue, the next great technology, your, just your thoughts.
1: Well, I'm not Nostradamus, and I've pretty much worn out my magic eight ball, (laughs) I think. But it seems seems like everybody and all the way down the line of their third cousin is coming out with some sort of MDR solution. So just speaking high level from an industry perspective, it wouldn't surprise me to see some sort of saturation and resulting consolidation at some point in the future. Probably not the near future, but I think we'll get there, even with the security conversations blowing up. But within the MDR space, I think you're going to start to see a focus on the tool set providers leaning more towards uh, AI and efficiencies to automate a number of things with regard to response, especially um, maybe even shifting forward focus to an XDR platform, where they start chewing all this data, bringing it into a central point, you get a single pane of glass, it's a lot easier to manage it and manage again, that efficiency conversation, right? Now, I don't think we'll ever get to a, you know, Skynet truly 100% self healing network. no human eyes on it ever but mdr providers they still have a a lot of human capital in their offerings and that's a big cost so when you talk about moving down market and not sleeping in that smb space you know i know everybody wants to go up market but as an ndr provider i think lowering your cost of doing business will allow you to be more flexible there and let's be clear the opportunities are there in the smb space revenue opportunity probably not going to be the same as the whales but there are far more of them out there and Generally, quicker sales implementation cycles, and heck, it might only be one, five, 10 k a month, but you string a few of those together, and you're you're feeling good, you know, you're loving life. So, I guess the Cliff's Notes version um, I see, or hope to see anyway, providers leveraging those efficiencies in their products to serve a wider range of clients, especially in the SMB space, because I think that's where the focus is going to need to be.
0: Great point, my man. That brings us up to the end, Bob. I uh, appreciate you coming on and doing the podcast with me, buddy.
1: Always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you.
0: All right, everybody. That wraps us up for this week. We've got Bob Greenow, Tolaris Director of Sales Engineering, uh, coming up and and finishing off for us the detection and response, really managed detection and response series of this podcast. I'm your host. Until next time, this is Josh Lopresto, SVP of Engineering, Next Level Biz Tech. Thanks, everybody. Next Level BizTech has been a production of Tolaris Studio 19. Please visit Tolaris.com for more information.